Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the bat rails in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast with your hosts, Zay, Young Vander, and Roja. Bonjour, konnichiwa, hola, utentek, and what's poppin'? Welcome back to the best new fantasy football podcast on the air, the Fantasy Football Fiend Podcast, presented to you by Manscaped. I'm your host, Zay. As always, I had a fan with me. Holla at your people, Young Vander. Fantasy Fiends, what's going on out there? And my guy, Bro Joe. Holla at the people, Bro Joe. What's going on, Fantasy Fiend family? Yo, we have an amazing show in store for you today. News and notes that you can use. 2022 Running Back Tears Part 1. I promise you, you're going to get information that you can use to ride to their championship. Quick reminder, get your 20% off at manscaped.com. M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Plus free shipping with promo code FIENDS. That's F-E-I-N-S. F-E-I-N-S. I promise you the Lawnmower 4.0 is a must-have. It is the best trimmer I've ever used. Waterproof, no nicks, no patches. She'll love it, and your balls will thank you. If you're looking for us, Fantasy Football Fiend Family Facebook group. Again, Fantasy Football Fiend Family on IG. Fantasy Football Fiend at Twitter. We're Fantasy underscore Fiend at Gmail if you want us to do any promos, advertisements, things of that nature fantasy football fiend at gmail now let's go ahead and hop right into your new and now your fantasy news all right so it is camp time injuries a couple of signings we're kind of seeing how a couple of depth charts may work out we got a few things to go over in the news before we get to our first set of running back tiers we're going to be doing tiers one through five this week and then next week we'll go into the latter part of the running backs and the tight ends in your news today first and foremost julio jones has a new home so tom brady got his christmas wish list answered early jones has been practicing Practicing with the Buccaneers, they've been utilizing them in camp kind of early and often. I'm um, on Thursday, previous last Thursday, in goal line work, he was already catching touchdowns from Tom Brady per Brianna Dix of the team's official sports website. So, what do we think about this Julio Jones situation? Is this going to be short lived? Yes, he still has it in him until he's hurt, or do we think they're going to kind of ease him in there and ease him along so that he is ready for the playoffs when it comes around? I like the move. I don't think they're going to ease him in anything. I think he's going to be thrown right into the fire. I mean, it's Julio Jones. I know uh, he has uh, the last uh, few years, he's had uh, some injuries and things of that nature, but he's going to be thrown to the fire. I don't think they're going to really ease him in. I mean, it's going to be good because he's not the man, so he won't maybe leaned on as heavy. It's a good move for them, man, I, I, especially with losing someone like a Gronk. 
you know, now you have somebody that, but you know, it's, it's strange because looking at the physicality of a Julio Jones, you would think he would be this monster of a red target, but that's always been the thing about him in Atlanta where he would get all these yards and catches, but his touchdowns usually be pretty low. For some reason, they never look for him in the red zone as much, but I think this year he'll see a lot more red zone targets and I, it's a good find, man. He has an extremely low ADP. I mean, he's at the bottom of the barrel, so I'm pretty sure it's going to rise now. He'll be somebody I'll be looking for late in drafts. I think it's the second parts to what you were saying like i i can't say they're gonna hold him back because julio's julio but i always have a concern with his hamstrings they've been lingering for the last two years we've seen him right now in shorts do a phenomenal job so that he's gonna be a focus in their offense i i would take a flyer on him like you can't you can't miss with him but i think like to your point it's good to have someone like him in form going into the playoffs than to overexert him on the field but they're going to play a lot of sets and you know, stacks to where he's going to be on the field at least 60 to 70% of the time. So either way, he's going to be on the field. But I think they're going to definitely monitor him heavily uh, throughout the season. And, and two two other things real quick. Um, Julio also turned down deals from the Colts and the Packers. So Ooh. to go to Tampa, he did turn down deals from both of those teams. And I haven't heard this anywhere, but I think it's pretty possible that maybe since – uh, a guy like Brady was vouching for him so and, and been trying to get him so long. Who knows? Maybe being in Tampa may be a good thing for him for Hula as far as his injury history because now he has access to Tom Brady's trainer. That guy is like that. You know what I mean? And I'm pretty sure they already probably they're probably working with each other. This may be a year that we won't see as many injuries. Maybe he has somebody really working with him because right. he did the same thing with Gronk. So we have DK Metcalf who has agreed to a three-year extension worth $72 million. Gave him one of the higher guarantees as a wide receiver. Joe, I know Seattle's your squad. Does this embolden you at all to what he may do this season? Or when we're looking at either General Smith or Locke, the ceiling, wherever it may be, can't be that high. How do you kind of feel about this whole situation? I think, honestly, this is a bounce back year for Metcalf. We all have to remember this guy played with a screw in his foot the entire season. So a lot of that burst and acceleration and, and being able to beat guys like he normally did was really taken away from him. He still had it in flashes and in spurts. Going down to the quarterback, I think, honestly, either quarterback is going to be the same results. I still expect them to get back into double-digit touchdowns. We actually got Metcalf at his steal. The new thing, I don't know if a lot of people noticed this offseason, it's been a lot of three-year deals. And even when you look at the numbers, either they were flat-out three-year deals or the last two years were either voided years or they had the potential out in the third year. I was thinking we was going to pay him close to $100 million for about four or five. But to get him at three years um, is a still for us because I really think he was a quarterback away from getting even more money. I'm glad we got him locked in for three years. We just saw McLaurin take three years as far as a receiver. And I think that's what a lot of people are going to do. COVID is over. Now that they can, they can allocate how would they do contracts a little bit differently. So we're going to see a lot of people get paid into their prime and then retest because he's only going to be 27 when he goes back and get more money. Michael Gallup is looking unlikely to be able to return for week one. We have a couple of options going in Dallas right now as far as his backups are concerned. You have the rookie, Tobert, and then um, James Washington is now good to go in camp. There's a little bit of fluctuation as far as who may be taking up that wide receiver two spot for Gallup while he's on the men, but it doesn't look like he's going to realistically be ready for week one, but they're also indicating that he probably won't end up on that six-week pup list for the regular season either. So that's a situation to monitor. 
Christian Watson of Green Bay, the rookie there, it was clarified Thursday that he's day-to-day right now following off-season knee surgery that forced him to begin training camp on the active pup list. So Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette reported that. This guy, this is another uh, young guy that we, we know what Aaron Rodgers likes, which is continuity, and due to his knee surgery, can't be in camp right now. So that doesn't bode well for him, but it does, in my opinion, bode well for um, Alan Lazard, who again is the guy there with the highest level of capability and relationship or uh, harmony, if you will, if you look at how he ended up last season. So those are two things that Aaron Rodgers looks at heavily. Again, it's looking like Alan Lazard may be a guy that I may bring up again on our sleeper episode, depending on what happens. Now that a few other tea leaves and dominoes, you know, kind of have fallen, especially with the Julio situation. I thought that Julio may have ended up in Green Bay. So we got that going. We have Mitchell Trubisky, who is getting all the first team reps right now. And I didn't see this one coming. This is kind of coming from left field. But Kenny Pickett is now running with the thirds exclusively with Mason Rudolph in the backup. And Mason Rudolph, I, I'm still trying to figure out how he is gamefully employed. But Pittsburgh does it differently. But Pickett? I don't know. He was supposed to be the, I guess, the the most NFL ready. He he's not ready. It's looking like n- none of the rookies are, are ready. Same story we're seeing in Atlanta. Mariota was named a starter week one. I mean, uh, day one in camp because it wasn't even close. The same thing we saw in Carolina. They don't even mention Matt Carl as far as being in the QB competition. It's Baker and Sam. You have uh, Malik Willis, who took some reps with the first team, at least. But that job, barring injury, is obviously Tannehill's. We got a lot of rookie disappointment so far. Well, to me, man, to be honest with you, it wasn't really a surprise uh, as far as the Trubisky thing, which I was trying to tell guys. Like, if Trubisky was in this this past draft, he'd have been the number one quarterback coming out. So there they go. Same thing as far as in Atlanta. Very talented rookie that they drafted. But again, familiarity with the system and that it's that veteran. Like, I didn't fear him taking that job. So by, the, by me... Me personally, I'm not surprised by any of these uh, things that's going on as far as none of these rookies getting first team reps or in a quarterback competition per se. Honestly, I think it's still favorable for both of them, but to Vanda's point, like this quarterback class wasn't anything to write about. Out of all of them, I did like Ritter and Pickett the most, but like you said, familiarity is key. And right now it's about winning football games for most of these people. Honestly, as long as Tomlin's been with the Steelers, I don't know how much longer he'll be with that a franchise to come. Then, like you said, with something with Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith has had some abysmal seasons with Atlanta. So you got to roll with the veterans at this point. But we've seen this story happen twice over with, what is that, Taylor? What's went to where? Oh, no, he was with the, he went to uh, the Chargers. Then he got the little- Tyron Taylor? Yeah, there we go. Tyron. We've seen the Tyrod Taylor situation happen. That happened to him twice. He went to two teams because he just went to Houston and then he got supplanted by Davis Mills. So it's one of those things that's like, yeah, they're the starter. I wouldn't write home about either or. But at the same time, it's football. So it's one of those things- as far as redraft, I'm not. T- I wouldn't touch these rookies and redrafting. Dynasty is dynasty. That's why it's dynasty for a reason. They have the upside later on to start. You know, for their respective organizations. But I'm not taking nothing um, as far as redraft with this. Lastly, we have Joe Burrow, who underwent successful surgery to remove his appendix on this last Tuesday. There's no timetable for his return. 
per Ben Baby of ESPN.com. I really don't have a frame of reference for an injury of this type. Vander, I know, you know, you played uh, competitive ball. I'm not sure if you've seen anything like this, what the turnaround time is, when a guy can actually be back to himself. But I, I can only imagine getting cut open in July and then getting hit on that cut in September isn't necessarily the best of situations. I think he'd be fine. I don't think there's nothing here to see. I mean, it's an appendix. So it's one of those things in your body that it does nothing. It's just there. You know, I haven't played ball with anybody that has an appendix removed like that, but I don't think it'd be a big deal. So I don't think anybody should really uh, be concerned about it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think they're going to also, in addition to a flap jacket, they're going to put something on that side to, you know, or mold something to that side. So it can be even more protective. So I, I agree. Yeah. It shouldn't be too much of a problem. Nah, it shouldn't be worried about. That pretty much wraps up the news. Let's go ahead and get into our 2022 running back tiers. All right. So let's get ready to break down these running back tiers. Uh, we are all going to give you our list today. We're going to go tiers one through five, kind of compare, contrast, kind of figure out where each other's heads are as far as this year's running back crop is concerned and give you kind of a picture into our mind's eye of the running backs that are kind of similar to each other. And in many cases, you may not be able to get the guy specifically that you had in mind, but we'll be able to give you a few other guys that we think by years in is going to end up right around the same amount of points. So don't fret when you can't get the guy that you had in mind and don't reach for another guy that's in the same tier when you might be able to kind of get a little bit more value later. So that is the purpose and intention of the tiers series. And um, I guess... Vander, why don't you go ahead and start us out with your tier one as far as RB is concerned. And um, if there's any explanation that you want to give as far as your tiers are concerned, we'll hit them yeah. as we get through. All right. Um, it's kind of like a, a replay of the quarterback tier for me. And in tier one, there's only one guy, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, a running back, Indianapolis Colts. He stands alone, in my opinion, when it comes to this uh, draft. I think everyone else is a little more closer to each other than he is. So in my tier one, there's only one running back, one player. I know I'm a little unorthodox, but uh, not at all. I'll make it real quick. Same yeah, here. Go, Joe. There's only one guy. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. What you got, Joe? <laughs> Ain't even no need for me to speak on it. Exactly yeah. what Vander just said. Yeah, I got Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey for a tier one. Okay. Like, um, mm. as far as Christian McCaffrey. Normally, I'm like kind of perturbed by injury and I let it influence my decisions. But when you look at some of the injuries he's had, he's not had to have, he didn't suffer a major injury. And then, too, um, I like when you kind of look at the two games he played when he came back from injury, he still had 20 fantasy points both games before going back out. I think Foreman is the best thing to him, to the, in the sense that they're going to still give him the same amount of touches. But unlike going to Hubbard, who was inefficient, we saw what Foreman did last year in the playoff games for Tennessee, and that's exactly what you need him to do to uh, follow up McCaffrey. Um, in the Ben McAdoo offense, we know that he loves to get the receivers the ball, which is what we already expect. I just love his pedigree with uh, McCaffrey. With Jonathan Taylor, though, I love him, and I, you know, we all love him, but he's a consensus, the top back in the league. I think it's a similar situation going from Aldi Trump went to Ryan where he's still going to be someone to key on. And he doesn't have the same offensive line, even though he 
all he needs is daylight. With the strength of schedule of 17th, I think they're kind of closer than years past. I think McCaffrey have a resurgence, so I'll put them in my top two. My tier two guys, I have three guys here. I have Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, and Austin Eckler. These guys, I mean, pretty uh, consistent when they, are on the, when they are on the field, even though all three of these guys have had some injuries. But when they're on the field, they're pretty consistent about their play, so... In my tier two, I just have these guys. For the most part, I look at these guys as bell cows. I also look at these guys as by end of year, barring injury, of course, being able to be within the same realm of each other. One of them, you probably have to, well, actually, a few of them, you probably have to get in the first round. A couple of them still be available to you in the second. Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Najee Harris. So in my opinion, due to volume and the talent and the system that these guys play in, Dalvin Cook's system is changing a little bit. So they're going from the inside zone to the outside zone. The benefit of that for Dalvin Cook is it should actually allow him to be a little bit more healthier instead of going up the middle through middle linebackers and defensive tackles. Now he's going to be getting hit by cornerbacks because he's not going to have to run straight up the middle into, you know, those big nasties at every single play that he's given the ball and trying to make something out of that. Not only that, but we've already seen Dalvin Cook be a number one running back, but now that he's going to be specifically getting to that outside on almost every opportunity, that's also going to allow him to get out of bounds versus taking hits in many cases too. So I really look at him having a bounce back and we've already seen him do it. Austin Eckler was the number three running back, if I'm not mistaken, last year. So we see what his ceiling could be. We also see that that team number in two. general, he was number two in, well, in PPR. I think he was number two. Was he number two in standard as well? Uh, I believe he's number two. I know he had a lot of standard. Pass pitches, but, um, yeah, he's number two in okay. standard as well. Okay, cool. So we, we see, we've seen his ceiling um, barring injury, just like with these other guys that we're talking about, he could be in that same realm. So, all of these guys, Najee Harris is another guy that I'm looking at because I don't think it's going to matter who Pittsburgh's quarterback is. They're not going to throw the ball nearly as much as they may have done in years past, which means he's going to get several more opportunities. And then many of those passes that are thrown, they're going to go his way as well. So I can see due to volume and what he's able to do with the ball after he gets it, I can see him having that same range of possibility going into this year. Um, so that kind of rounds out my tier two. Joe, you want to start with your tier, your next tier? Yeah, so in my tier two, I had uh, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Dalvin Cook, and I had Joe Mixon. I do want to say out of all of those, Dalvin could be the top back next year. Like it don't even matter what his injury is, he don't give a fuck. He's gonna play regardless. I think he had a separate separated shoulder most of last season. Dude was still balling like crazy. Like that dude is crazy. Like when it comes to health, I don't even worry about him. With Joe Mixon, what kind of intrigues me is that they did a lot to address the offensive line, and it's ridiculous the amount of talent he finally has in front of him. I think That's he'll true. be able to maximize that, man. Like I, I think that was like for him to do what he does without. Uh, uh, offensive line now to get one and especially in tip they beefed up the interior especially and they already have bookends at the tackle yeah i think mixing's going to jump up this year i like that mixing take the only reason that i had him headlining my tier three versus being in tier two is because that's a pass happy team and they definitely had the pass catchers um for 
Burrow to throw throw the ball as many times as they can come up with, as many plays as they can come up with. But I definitely like the Joe Mixon take. It'll just be a matter of how much volume he gets. Vander, what you got for your tier three? Uh, I only have three guys here. I have Dalvin Cook, I have Najee Harris, and I have Joe Mixon. All these guys are still kind of the same as you said earlier with the tier two. They're kind of in that same range where they kind of like the bell, the bell cows of their team. So two and three are really close. I just think, you know, the the guys in tier two maybe get a tad bit, well, not really more volume, but tier two and three is just, they're like right there by each other. So it's not like the guys in tier two, they could very well be tier three and three could very well be tier two. So, but Cook, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, these three guys, my tier three guys, also when healthy these guys are pretty consistent with the volume and production so my tier three guys it's a, it's a little bit of a longer tier i think i got about nine or ten guys here so joe mixon headlines this tier i also have nick chubb um in this tier i'm looking at javante williams deandre swift aaron jones zeke saquon cam makers aj Dillon, and james connor Counter was a, a, a last-minute ad, but I really like his touchdown upside in that offense. I really like the uh, rate of play that they have there in Arizona. They run more plays than, than most, so just the opportunities that he'll have at the goal line there. Going into the last couple of weeks of the season last year, he, he, he was still number one in touchdowns, and then I think Jonathan Taylor overtook him towards the uh, tail end, but he helped you out all year long. He was one of the most consistent running backs out there, and even with the year that he had, his ADP still isn't kind of reflecting that because I think people are still looking at the injury years of Pittsburgh, but this guy, he fits the bill for that offense. Again, my sentiments reflect the same as far as Joe Mixon is concerned. We've talked about Nick Chubb in previous shows. It may be the Nick Chubb show for the first however many weeks that Watson is going to be suspended. It's going to be between Chubb and Hunt with Chubb getting the lion's share there. I feel like Javante Williams is going to take his next step, and he's going to be the 60 to the 40 when considering Melvin Gordon, and they're going to let him do what he does. DeAndre Swift was a stud. He caught the most balls as far as running backs are concerned, and he missed several weeks. And with the offensive line that they have, with the offense that they have, with the addition of the wide receivers there, and with the Lions taking their next step, I don't think they're going to be a team to be laughed at anymore for the foreseeable future with the talent that they have there. And again, like I said, most of these guys, barring injury, I kind of feel would end up within the same range. Zeke had a down year, and he was the number six rusher. Let that sink in. A down year in the number six rusher. He's healthier. He's lost a little bit of weight. Hopefully, Dak being another year removed is now more of a running threat, which definitely helps the run game um, as far as defense is not being able to key in on the running back. I really feel like this group of guys are going to end up within the same realm of each other, barring injury. We saw what Cam Akers could do before he got hurt. Saquon is Saquon. When he's out there, he's he's doing what he does. But again, barring injury, I think all these guys can end up right around the same amount of fantasy points. So in this tier, actually, I have five players in here. So I got Saquon, DeAndre, Javante Williams, Najee Harris, and Cam Akers. Um, I know you had Najee a little bit higher. The reason why I'm kind of down on him is that he didn't have the best offensive line going into last year. And there was a lot of negative production with that. Now, he's a phenomenal system. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Let me borrow a word, you know, phrase from Zay. He's a phenomenal 
phenomenal talent, I think, you know, prospectively. But, you know, for him to be the only guy in that backfield and no one to actually help him on the offense. They lost Trey Turner, by the way. He's gone. So now it's a, a list of nobodies. And they finished 26. So we know he's going to catch upwards of 80 passes this year. I just, I don't know, I just put him a little bit down for that reason. I, I'm really a preponderant of you're only as good as the people in front of you. We saw last year a lot of a negative game script as far as him rushing the ball. And it wasn't until he got one for 30 yards that he started getting the fives, the six, you know, later on in the game. Saquon, I'm just, I was a year too early with Saquon. But this year is the, the perfect marriage between him and Dabble. Dabble is going to get him back to 90 receptions out of the backfield. And I like how Dabble calls run plays because it's very methodical. It's very intricate. Though he didn't have the right backs with Moss and Singletary, if you notice going leaning towards the playoffs, Singletary was hyper productive. Now you're getting even bigger back. And to me, the person who has one of the top hands in the NFL, like this, like Saquon's hands is underrated. And then lastly, I got Cam Akers. I really think he's going to be a steal this year. It is possible, for, I think, for me, for him to have over 1,700, you know, scrimmage yards this year and over double-digit touchdowns, probably 15 as a floor. What you got for Tier 4, Vander? All right, now, the, my first three tiers were really short. The Tier 4 is a lot larger. I have Leonard Fournette. I have Nick Chubb, Evan Kamara, Javonta Williams, James Conner, Elijah Mitchell, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, David Montgomery, Cam Akers, Brees Hall, and I'm cutting it right there. Uh, in this list, man, uh, I agree with the, the Ezekiel Elliott take you had prior where, I mean, you know, finishing six overall with an injury-riddled season. I think Zeke is going to have a, a – I think Zeke and Barkley are going to reemerge this year. I think they're going to jump back into those spots where everybody thought they were as far as being the best at their, at their position. So I really think they're going to take a step up. I have Elijah Mitchell here, but it's a scary – it's kind of scary to have him here. I like any running back using the 49er system. But, again, with Shanahan, you never know what's going to happen. You never have – they haven't had back-to-back leading rushers since whenever, so who knows. I like James Conner here. Um, he's definitely going to push that touchdown thing. Um, I see he's saying he wanted to get 18 touchdowns this year. He's going to push 18. And with the way the offense is designed, it's like he's the only show in town with Evans gone. Uh, I really think it's, it's pretty possible. Um, Javonta Williams, he's here in Tier 4, but a Melvin Gordon injury shoots him up to Tier 2. True. Facts. Um, Facts. So that's something to watch there. And that can very well happen because Melvin Gordon has had his injury issues and also he's getting older. He's got a year older, so watch out for that. And Kamara is here only because of the suspension. That's the only reason he's here. Still no word on that. And Nick Chubb is also here only because he's he has uh, Kareem Hunt behind him. I mean, so cause these guys are definitely tier two style running backs. But due to their situation, they're here at tier four for me. And the sleeper in this in this tier for me is Brees Hall. He's the rookie. He's something to watch. Uh, I like the offense that he's inserted in. It looks like he's going to be the lead dog in that offense. I think he's going to take over. I'm not really worried about Michael Carter taking too many touches from him. And he can very well be the surprise of this this uh, tier four for me. I like it. I like it. So tier four for me is headlined by Alvin Kamara. Same sentiments. He would be tier two for me if he didn't have whatever length of suspension that he's going to end up with. Leonard Fournette, Brees Hall, David Montgomery. I have Antonio Gibson here. 
but I'm I'm leaning towards putting him in tier five uh, just because we found out that he has a, a a hamstring injury already in camp, so he's already kind of sidelined a little bit. And the two injuries that you don't want preseason is hamstrings and groins because they, they could be fine by tomorrow. It could take you six months. Who knows? We have Elijah Mitchell there. We have J.K. Dobbins, Josh Jacobs, and Travis E.T.N. in my tier four. Joe, who you got for your tier four? So my tier four, I got a, a long list, too. I got Ezekiel Elliott. I got James Conner. I got Nick Chubb. I got Travis E.T.N., Alvin Kamara, Brees Hall, uh, Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, J.K. Dobbins, Fournette, Sanders, and Montgomery. Now, of those, I just want to touch on really Brees Hall. I'm I'm going to double down on it. This is Jonathan Taylor to me. If you needed somebody to kind of do everything, this guy can take it to the house. I'm not I'm not going to waste too much time. He got was bold and well for him. He got the fifth easiest schedule, and he's got an offensive line that's coming off of 11th PFF uh, to end the 2021 season. I think the sky's the limit for him. Also, too, on third down, Michael Carter did not have a reception on third down. And I think that that really bodes well for him as well because Brees Hall can catch the ball. No one ever speaks to that part of his game. He's a great receiver out of the backfield. I'm gonna obviously take him at ADP. I'm not. I'm nowhere gonna ever uh, take somebody before they do. But just keep in mind, like he has tremendous upside. He has a great pedigree. And I forgot the next gen stat, but I, I can quote it off the top of my head. Um, the for the 99 rated uh, performance, like as far as college. Um, you know, the speed, agility, all, everything. It was him, Saquon, Etn, Brees Hall, and that's one other back. And it's a really good back that was in the top five. And we've already seen what Saquon and Derrick Henry can do. And obviously, it's a lot of you know hype behind Etn. But Brees Hall might be the steal of the of this part of the draft process in our tier our tier fours. As far as Hall is concerned, this is my only concern. And you guys can, you know, correct me where I'm wrong. But the issue that I see is not Hall himself, but the Jets offense would have to take a little bit of an uptake that I don't know if they're ready for, for Hall to end up in the same realm as some of these other guys. So it's not necessarily his talent. I, I don't see them getting to the red zone that often for him to score because of what Zach Wilson will or won't be able to do. Do you think that 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 offense as a whole is going to actually kind of get on track enough for him to be in position to do what you're saying? Oh, certainly. I think the thing we got to kind of look at is even going back to Taylor's rookie season, he didn't have that much around him to be successful. I think what Mike LaFleur is going to do and what it was smart for him to do, because he tried to do it with Tevin Campbell and Michael Carter, but the thing he was missing is elite speed and breakaway ability. Like, if, if you ever watch um, Hall in Iowa, this guy does everything, break tackle, acceleration, deacceleration, you know, inside, outside. He does everything to a level that already was at an NFL capacity, in my personal opinion. I'm not saying that he is going to be year one Jonathan Taylor, but if you want somebody to give, you want to give somebody a little inch of daylight and expect them to take it to the house out of everybody else on this list, minus Dalvin Cook and or DeAndre, 
I will personally put him right behind those guys as far as what he can do. And again, he can catch the ball. He's going to be expected to catch the ball. And that's going to be relevant whether it's half PPR or PPR. Again, Michael Carter did not see those receptions on third down. So I don't think it's going to be expected of him to do the same thing. Though I will say Michael Carter was highly successful um, yard efficiency after the catch. So pretty much when he caught the ball, he did above expectation when he caught it, but he never caught it on third down. But to Hall, my point with Hall, I'm going to take him where he stands. I'm not going to overthink this. But in confidence, looking at his the, the schedule he has and the composition he's going to go up against, I like I like him having the fifth easiest schedule. Also, in an uptick in offense. Again, we got Garrett Wilson. We got Elijah. We got Corey Davis. And then, again, they brought Azuma and Cochran in. Both are good receivers, but they're also tremendous blockers. We've got to put an emphasis on that. They are tremendous blockers as well. So if Makai can do what the fuck he got to do and stop being fat, I think the sky's the limit for all. Not music to my ears because it seems like everybody in the AFC East is getting better. Um, and the, the Patriots are scaring me. I mean, well, we had our up here, so I mean, I guess we got we to gotta <laughs> reload. So it is what it is for now. At least, at least we're not with Seattle. With, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so look. Tier five, uh, tier five for me is a larger tier. These guys have situations that they could actually vault um, all the way up to tier three, possibly. Um, just depending on how it goes down. But I have Damian Harris in this tier, Miles Sanders, Ramondre Stevenson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Rashard Penny, James Robinson, Tony Pollard, Chase Edmonds, Devin Singletary, Cordero Patterson, Kareem Hunt, Melvin Gordon. Ken Walker the third, Marlon Mack, and Tyler Allegier. Allegier, I, I think I said that right. The guy in my tier five with the lowest ADP, Marlon Mack, Jonathan Taylor would have never been drafted by the coach if Marlon Mack hadn't gotten injured. I think people kind of forget his skill set and what he was doing on the field. And now he's a couple years removed from that injury. And I think he's going to be able to show what he was showing prior and he's going to be able to do it in a situation where his only other competition is a rookie who who's pretty decent in pierce but i believe that mac is going to be able to show improve now there are a couple of guys in here that may vote you each other but depending on the way the situation works out one of the two of them is going to get the lion's share i'm speaking to damian harris and Ramondre stevenson right now out of camp the whispers are that Ramondre stevenson may actually end up being the guy that gets the most volume due to him taking over uh, the uh, targets that James White would have gotten. So they're saying right now, I just read a report where they were indicating that Ramondre Stevenson could actually end up with the most activity out of the backfield in general. That doesn't mean to me that Damian Harris still can't be as productive as he was last year when it was a similar situation. It was just divided between more people uh, because prior to James White getting hurt. So I think the New England running back system is going to be uh, up and running quite a bit this season. Looking at the schedule, um, I'm seeing several games where we're going to be better off running versus trying to kind of do the tit for tat as far as uh, passing is concerned, uh, utilizing our defense and letting the running game kind of take time off the clock. That's normally the way we handle a lot of teams, especially like when you look at your Miamis of the world with all that speed, best thing for you to do is keep them off the field. Same thing with Buffalo. If they're on the field, no matter how good your defense is, 
it's likely that they're going to be within scoring range, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown. So Rashard Penny, same thing, depending on what happens with Kenny, uh, Ken Walker, Rashard Penny. Right now, Penny is the one that is supposed to be first on the depth chart and everything. But I can see because of the amount of uh, the volume of the run game that Pete Carroll likes to run, both of them are going to have plenty of opportunity. It's just going to be a matter of what they do with that opportunity. But both of them could end up being surprises that you can actually draft a little bit later, but give you, uh, you know, RB1 weeks and RB2 consistency. Uh, I don't know. You got a couple of guys on the same team. I see that. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely got Mac. I think you elevated him pretty high. And you also had Kenneth Walker. I think he's yes pretty high. I mean, I think I Rashad like Penny is. Of Ken that's fine if you want to. If you're in the game, I just don't think he'll be in the game that much to be a tier five running back. I mean, it's it already been said they want to. Rashad Penny's going to be handed the keys to the car, and that's going to be the issue, in my opinion, because once you hand him them keys and you give him them reps, he's likely to get nicked up. Which is why? Why? Because that's what's happened. He's been in the year five, and every other year he's been hurt. <clears throat> or did I miss it? Oh, uh, man, he he played well last year. He would play what ten games last year. Yeah, so he was hurt last year. Was he hurt every year? He was hurt last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. The last seven games, though, I will say that. Yeah, yeah, like, but I mean, but well, when he's out did, there, he's did, not, that's why he's. That's but did why he come? Did he come in early? Hurt or like? You mean like a preseason injury that lingered, kind of a deal? Yeah, like you know what I mean because. I, I, I don't remember that as far as when it happened, but I just know that we're going into year five and the other four years have been injury riddled. So if you're mm-hmm. going to give him an increase in carries, why would I think that what has happened all four prior years isn't going to happen this time? But if it doesn't, he might be the still of the draft. So that's why I got him here. Because yeah. again, when we give these lists, I'm looking at barring injury. But there's some guys that are a little bit more injury prone. So that's also why I have Kenny Walker here because he's given the the key by default or because he wins out, he'll be a necessity in that offense and do the volume. He's going to end up right around where these other guys were. Yeah. Right. With Rashad Penny, like, I agree with both sentiments. Like, when healthy, he his last seven games was impeccable. But I think you're asking a lot for somebody who can't stay healthy for one. And from knee down, you might as well – say that he, I don't know, he might as well t- decapitate his legs. Because if you're looking at since two, 2018, knee strain, hamstring, ACL, knee strain, calf strain. And this year it was the the hamstring again. And they, it was classified, it was unspecified, but they ruled it as a grade one. He's having too many injuries in the same extremities that you need to use on a day in and day out basis. And it's on the same leg. I get all those injuries occurred on the same leg now if we have to put injury aside yeah he i think he he's great but they also went and got kenny walker who for every reason is his clone but is extremely faster this guy has a nose for the red zone which retard does to the degree but you're looking at somebody who's the same elk but he has that chris carson physicality to him so to vander's point if whatever reason Rashard misses to me even a couple series. I think Kenny Walker can take it the rest of the way. Kenny has it all. He has both what Rashard had and what Chris Carson had, and he's way more explosive. And he's he's tremendous in between inside the the lines as well too. Go ahead and hit us with your tears, Vander. All right, there in the next tier, I have uh, Antonio Gibson, Josh Jacobs, uh, Damian Harris, J.K. Dobbins, Miles Sanders, uh, Cordero Patterson, 
C-E-H, A.J. AJ Dillon. I have Tony Pollard here, who has some also, some, some things can happen well with him. Devin Singletary, Rashard Penny, Kareem Hunt. And I had Travis Etienne right here at the bottom of this tier, which I kind of want to drop him down to another tier due to James Robinson not being put on the PUP list. That's some news that came out, which I think will affect a little bit of his, you know, maybe goal line touches, things of that nature. Who do you uh, think ends up starting between the two? I think it's more like a one A one B. Yeah, like a co starter, to be honest with you. Yeah. With those two guys. Because it's like what's my guy? Like Chris Johnson and Lindell White. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's just gonna be like <laughs> Yeah, it's it's gonna be like that, honestly. I just think if Robinson can stay healthy, I know he's not gonna be on PUP, but if he plays, we can see Travis Etienne touchdown numbers are down. And that's not good when it comes to fantasy. He can do all the running yards. Now, if he hit a home run, that's one thing. But if we get down to the eight-yard line and then they mm-hmm. take him out, you know what I mean? So it kind of kills the, the all-purpose yards that he probably will get. He probably ETN probably will be one of those all-purpose guys, you know, that 60, 70-yard rusher, that 60, 70-yard receiving, you know what I mean? So he probably one of those guys. But if you can't get in the end zone, what's the point? Right. <laughs> Yeah, and so, fan, I think just to just to tell you, man, I think you had a phenomenal take on that backfield. I think you summed up everything I would want to say in regards to that. Unlike the prior administration, I think James Robinson is going to use a lot, and he does everything well. He he's a three down back. Uh, to your point, I uh, just think with the skill sets of Etn, Etn, like that's like the perfect marriage. I think you said the thunder and lightning duo. That's the perfect analogy for what you're getting. I also like that he's already working out at wide receiver as well too, because he really is essentially what Vis- what they got Lavisca Chanel to do. They Lavisca is supposed to be the, the back, you know, in the backfield, the slot receiver, and so on and so forth. And then they just went ahead and got Etn to kind of. To really hammer that home because he's a tremendous receiver. I don't, I don't, I, nobody can come to McCaffrey with how good a receiver he is. Um, but if you ever was, whatever had a moment to turn on the tape and look at it, Etienne is a dog, man. He nasty as a receiver. Right. But it, again, to go back to that, that thing I was talking about as far as the, the Lindell White, Chris Johnson comparison, like that one year that Lindell had, I mean, hell, he had like 15 rushing touchdowns. Right, right. You know right. what I mean? So he was definitely in the way of a guy like Chris Johnson who had, you know, he had like maybe nine. You know, he had nine. So they ran the ball a whole lot, though. And he was the guy that was really getting the yards, per se. Lindell probably had like 700 yards rushing, but he had like 15 touchdowns. While the other guy had 1,200 yards rushing. So I think it probably one of those type of things where he's just going to be a vulture for ETN. So... I would have Etienne though at the top of my next tier. He would be here if not that news had just came out. And go ahead and wrap it up for us, Joe. Yeah, mine's is pretty short. I got a uh, Damian Harris here, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Rashard Penny, Elijah Mitchell, and Chase Edmonds. Um, out of those, man, it's just Damian Harris. I think Damian Harris really hasn't how can I articulate this? I think because you know, the Patriots put so many running backs like at one at a given time. He's never had to be the focal point of the offense. And I think that's kind of minimized what he could do. Like he reminds me a lot of Thomas Jones. Like I used to love Thomas Jones when he played for the Jets. And I just think Damian Harris has similar like uh you know skill sets to that. But also too, like to your point, he got Ramondre back there. And to what me and Vanderbilt alluded to. Pierre Strong is just, to me, aside from James White having a hip injury, I just think he provides that, like I said, a poor man's Elijah Mitchell to where they can have somebody that a threat to take it to the house. Like Damian and Ramondre is like, oh, I, I can get you five, six, get a 30. But Pierre, he, 
you give him the ball, he's one of another one of those backs that can get you a good amount per clip. And he he does everything well from the inside to outside as a runner. But he's pretty raw. He is coming from a smaller school. But I think I said between Ramondre and then Pierre and then James White on the men, I just think he, I had to put him a little bit lower. But I love him as a, a player. But relative to fantasy, with the value that we all discussed and the players we all put out, I would get any of those other guys before Damian Harris. Um, CEH is one of the same thing. Like, I think this might be his year, but then again, you got McKinnon coming back. You got Gore. They got my guy from Rutgers uh, that we spoke about and Vander alluded to on the uh, last episode as well. So he got to be down here too. And then with Elijah, uh, I like him. Ain't about injury to me, but again, another one of Vander's points. I just don't trust the 49ers backfield. They went and got my guy Price from LSU. Trey Sermon making a little bit of noise. And then with Jeff Wilson still being there, I don't know how <laughs> this motherfucker's still on the team. He always manages to stay on that damn team. He's um, a mascot, man. He, he, <laughs> he going to play two games and be hurt. He's, he's just there. <laughs> Out of all those, though, Chase Edmonds kind of intrigues me. I don't know. I think for him being in, in my my five, it's kind of good value because they had all the – they had Mostart there. They had Gaskin there. They all the same thing. But you don't give somebody this amount of money and, you know, and guarantees, not just, in, just, not just the contract, but in guarantees as well if you don't find them being heavily efficient in the offense. One thing about Chase Edmonds, he loved to catch passes out of the backfield. He loved it. So I think that was the, the major proponent in bringing him in. So he has upside, but I just I don't like stable of running backs these days. Like if you got one or two, just like Chubb, for example, Chubb got Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Ernest, and then they got Jerome Ford from Cincinnati. I ain't saying Chubb ain't Chubb, but if anything happened to Chubb, it's just like well, between Hunt and those three other guys, I can't trust Hunt. And they already split carries with Chubb, so it's just like, you know, I don't know. But those they're, saying that, they're saying that the earnest may be a camp cut. Word? So, yeah, so that'd be something to watch as well. Um, I would definitely stay tuned to the to the wire as camp continues on because some of these guys can very well move on to other places and have some fantasy relevancy there as well. Even though we've seen him come out last year, and he done pretty well when given the opportunity. Um, they say he could definitely be a camp casualty. Damn, man, I'm glad you told us that. I wrote down my Jerome Ford just, just now. Just <laughs> so I got a question for you guys. So I'm looking at the Atlanta backfield, right? Okay. And I'm trying to figure out is – Cordell Patterson a value or is he going to be a trap this year? What he did last year, he'd never done before. And as of right now, they're saying that Tyler Allegier, the rookie, is kind of showing and proving and may actually end up being a 1A, 1B, or he may just take over type of a scenario here. I don't know that, although I know Patterson could be one of the biggest values again this year, that backfield kind of scares me while at the same time where you can draft Tyler, his ADP kind of intrigues me. So how do you guys see this backfield kind of shaping up? I think Cordell's a, a value and it depends on what type of league you're in. Excuse me. What I mean by that is, does he have that wide receiver designation still in your league? Are you in a PPR league? I think in a standard league, maybe not so much. His value is probably going to be a, you know, a decrease. And the PPR league, because he can also play wide receiver. So even though if if the rookie comes on and be the one that, you know, if they both split, he doesn't come off the field. That's the difference. You know, you got a lot of guys like if it's two running backs, that means one's on the bench. But with a guy like Cordero, 
still playing wide receiver, even if the rookie's in the backfield, he's maybe in the slot. And so, still, do you think that he still gets that with the wide receivers that have been added now? Do you think he'll still get wide receiver yeah. targets or opportunities as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he can still be in the slot. I mean, you have Elwards and then you have Drake London, but who else is there that's better than him? Nobody that was uh, there last year that was better than him. Right. So. And then, you know, you can still use the whole jet sweep. You know, all these things are still in play, you know, with him playing at wide receiver. But if he has that wide receiver designation in your league, hell yeah, he has extreme value. Because now you're slapping a running back at your maybe your wide receiver three spot. You know what I mean? Something like that. If you're in a league that has a three, you know, three wide receivers. So your roster build in your league is very important mm-hmm. when dealing with guys with two position uh, designations. What I'll just add on top of that, I think – with Tyler Alger, realistically, he's not a conversation for redraft at all, my personal opinion. There's two spectrums to look at it. You either get Mike Davis, which is the lower part, or you get Michael Turner. And I don't know if y'all remember Michael Turner. That was my dude back in the day. He's just really north and south of a runner. He doesn't really do anything to wow. He doesn't have tremendous hands, but they are solid. I just don't see a lot out of him to say, like, oh, he's a premier back or he's a starting caliber back. But it all depends on upside. I don't give him any upside in this offense because, to your point, with Cordell Patterson, I think they're going to use him more consciously, if that makes sense. Because I think what happened was, um, before he was like it was just like having that gimmick play that like you know that always worked um and it just like over the over you know the season it's just like people found ways to start putting them licks on him and once them licks came in Cordell didn't have that juice just quite the same he still scurried in for quite a few touchdowns like that but as far as him taking the game the, the team by surprise that element wasn't there and I think now they're going to consciously be able to move him around more methodically because he does have you know, the bigger and broader receivers and Kyle Pitts um, going into the second season is going to take a tremendous leap. But as far as the – I think it's Cordell. Like, honestly, if we're looking in that backfield, Tyler, I don't – he not redraft or, to me, dynasty relevant as of yet. But like I said, it depends on how you want to look at it. I look at him as that Mike Davis, but he could be Michael Turner. He could be – you know, he does break tackles, but I'm not going to sit here and speculate. I'm not going to risk my – my money by saying that he's going to be the Michael Turner, but he, he does have upside and has likeness to him. And that pretty much wraps up this week's episode. Next week, we will be hopping into the latter part of the uh, running back tiers and getting those tight ends done. Following that, we will be doing our specialty shows where we deep dive into values, sleepers, our man's in them episode, where we basically stake our claim on the guys that we feel are going to bring home championships. And then we're also going to do one of our most important episodes, which is going to be the draft strategy episode and the guard system. Things that you should be thinking about as you enter into draft season. Again, if you are looking for us in the social media waves, make sure that you holler at us on Facebook, the Fantasy Football Fiend Family Facebook group. If we're looking at Twitter, it's fantasy underscore fiend. And on IG, Fantasy Football Fiend Family. Don't forget to Manscaped. Get 20% off at Manscaped.com. Dot com plus free shipping with promo code fiends f-e-i-n-s and we out mm-hmm.